Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast. It is good to be back behind the microphone and the very first podcast of March of 2020. We are recording live on the 1st of March for you guys. So for those of you who are returning as a regular guest, welcome back. It is good to have you again uh, to be with us to discuss the next hour, hour and a half ish uh, of Star Wars. If this is the first time that you are finding us, very welcome to the show. Um, you know, we are here to talk about everything and anything Star Wars. And who is we? I am, of course, your host, Alex. It is good to be with you, uh, but I'm not alone. What a rubbish podcast that would be uh, if I didn't have my fellow Jedi Council members with me. First and foremost, my good buddy and my brother in the force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. We have Mr. Lego himself, Andy. Say hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. And Mr. Contrary himself, as the clock. Say hello. Hello, what have we here? Hello. The council is officially now in session. Oh, God. Oh, my. Do you want to steal, do you want to steal my thunder even more? Yep. <laughs> is he, is he going to do that every time? Yep. Oh, is, this, is this the new normal? Yep. How dare he, dare he, mate. Well, if Alex did it, I wouldn't have to. <gasps> well, oh. That was a cheap move. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> so, so, listeners, for those of you who are wondering why we are gasping in horror or frustration, uh, we're on the Rise of Skywalker review, for those of you that haven't checked it out, go back to our SoundCloud, go back to our iTunes back catalogue and have a little listen. The last half an hour or show, half an hour or so of that particular show, was completely derailed because Ali introduced this soundboard that he has been messing around with, and then it ensued a conversation around a Japanese version that Andy found. Dave then found it, and it all went to pot, and therefore we didn't really get through a lot of the Rise of Skywalker. So, for those of you that are wondering where's the rest of it, it will be coming to a certain extent. Uh, we might even talk about it a little bit today. Um, but for those of you that are also wondering, where is Mera? Mera cannot join us this week. Uh, sadly, she has got a prior engagement that she could not get around. Uh, so we are going to miss her, as, as we always do when she's not around. Uh, but nevertheless, we are going to be cracking on with quite an agenda. Uh, there's going to be a discussion around a little bit about Episode 9, a little bit about The Mandalorian, a little bit about The Clone Wars, a little bit about the, the new novel of The Rise of Skywalker coming out, one particular scene that is being distributed around social media. If we can get some time, actually, the first thing that I want to talk about is the High Republic um, and then anything else that we can possibly cram into the next hour, hour and a half-ish of anything and anything Star Wars. But before we go any further, listeners, you will know Dave and Andy, uh, Dave and Ali, sorry, uh, did a really good podcast uh, in the middle of the week where they discussed the High Republic, went into quite a lot of detail about what's on the way. Andy and I couldn't join it. Andy, off air, we had a bit of a quick conversation about this, didn't we, mate? And, you know, you've got some feelings, as it were, towards this particular news item uh, that was kind of announced during the week. And for, for the benefit of our listeners, mate, go into it in a little bit more detail. Yeah, I have. I mean, as I've said very, very a lot previously, I am a man of the movies. Star Wars is a, is a cinematic universe for me. I don't really delve into comics. I, I don't really delve into novels. I certainly don't watch any of the TV shows or cartoons. Or I haven't as yet. Or animated series. I should probably call them to be a little bit more professional. 
and I was quite excited actually. Um, there was a bit of a, a sort of countdown to this this big announcement, and then it came up. Oh, High Republic! I thought, yes, yes, this could be another another trilogy of films or another series of films or whatever. And then it sort of transpires that it's it's just a series of books, and it and I felt a little bit flat after that, if I'm honest. Um, I, I'm hoping that it's a it's a white lie, shall we say? And uh, and there's a, there's if it's successful, if the, if the books are successful, then they may well expand them into into films or or, or something else. But it just seems a bit of a shame, really, just to release a, a load of books. What about what about you? So yeah, for the listeners will, uh, who have listened to us multiple times will know that uh, I'm the complete reverse of, of that. I have comics, I have books, I have the DK books, I've got everything and anything I can get my hands on that Star Wars related. So for me, <clears throat> the announcement was was amazing. Um, we know that Marvel have done a fantastic job of doing, or rebooting as it were, the Star Wars comics, the way they've kind of tied it in, expanded some of the lore. Um, there was another story about Marvel with Princess Leia and Carbonite this week as well that we shared on our on our social media on Twitter and stuff like that. So for me, expanding the universe like this is is a really big deal uh, and something that I'm quite interested in because we haven't had anything at this particular time period from a canon perspective. Uh, as we all know, when Disney took over Star Wars, there was a rebooting of the expanded universe, i.e. it became Legends, didn't exist. Um, so for me, it'd be interesting to see what they do with it. And some of the concept art that they've kind of sent around and the front covers of the actual comic books that are going to be coming out for me look look fantastic. I do have a theory, though. Uh, it kind of alludes to something that you mentioned there, Ali, uh, Andy, where you was kind of saying what you think is a bit of a white line. I personally think it is. Personally, there's been rumours flying around that they're thinking about doing, I think Kevin Feige, I think, was rumoured to be doing a movie at some point. I have a feeling he will do a movie that is in and around this High Republic era, not era, for the benefit of Ali. Um, I'm a Southerner, and even I agree with Dave and Andy on that one, so it's the era. It's it's definitely era. It is definitely era. era. Um, (laughs) um, So for me, I do think this is a teaser, for want of a better word, into a lot more of a time period setting within the Star Wars universe. And yeah, like I said, listeners, if you, if, you know, if you haven't heard the podcast from, from Ali and Dave, it's a really good listen. Um, they go off into a lot of detail about it, so we won't cover too much about it today. But just as a quick review, Dave, uh, you sound like you was quite excited about it as well, mate. Really excited, yes. And like you, I think that Lucasfilm are positioning the books as the first step with a, a plan of them once they've established the, the what the the high republic is what it looks like what what the characters are like you will then start to see either tv shows or movies or both i think this is just a step yeah that's a, yeah that's interesting when you think of how big disney plus has kind of got um we know the mandalorian was a huge success um clone wars seems to be continuing that um what's what i'm looking for that kind of excitement on the platform as well we know obi-wan kenobi's on the way as well so it, it would be an interesting plot uh to use it i think um but yeah and and ali you sounded like you was quite interested in it as well mate yeah absolutely i think it's a brilliant error um so <laughs> <laughs> hang on so it's a mistake 
Alec. Are you saying it's a mistake? It's, it's an a error? brilliant mistake. A yeah. brilliant mistake. <laughs> well, you, you seem to think it's a tremendous mistake, Andy. I, I just think it's a great error. <laughs> um, is, it, is it a great error or a great error in judgment? Yeah. <laughs> Either and or, whatever, you know. <laughs> just because, just you know, yeah, whatever. Will he eventually um, teach you English, Ali? What? <clears throat> Sorry, I don't speak Northern. Um, someone help me. You don't me. speak English either. <laughs> All it's right. a three-letter word as well, Dave. A way to go I know, I know, I know. You mean like... I, I, think, I think the problem is there's, there's two syllables in it. I think that's what's thrown in. It's true. Oh, yeah, of course. It, it yeah. is true. It is a bit above my comprehension, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, but I'll explain a bit more later as to why. Why what? It's a majestic error. Oh, no, no. I'm answering, I'm answering Alex's question. Perhaps, Dave, you can't multitask and... Uh, do oh, you? oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we're, on the yes! topic of conversa- as we're on the topic of conversation, mate, you might as well answer it now. Well, no, because I want to go into the Rise of Skywalker book. Ah, getcha. Okay, okay, okay. So, because actually it's made me more excited because of what's happened with Rise of Skywalker book being made available and limited release to people that have gone to a convention and some of the stuff that's leaked and makes that film make a bit more sense to me now. But we can talk about that later. Well, that's that's a good segue because one of the topics of conversation is listeners, as you know, we started off doing a whole show, as it were, on reviewing Rise of Skywalker and for nearly two hours we spent the first of it or all of it pretty much only covering maybe twenty minutes of the movie. Uh, which which no as you, as you listeners will know that's not necessarily unusual when it took us six hours to talk about the the the, the, the last Jedi. Um so I think what might be good for now, guys and I think as a, as a start for 10 leading into that piece that Ali was talking about, it's just let's have a bit of a round table about Rise of Skywalker because the dust has settled. Um, it's barely in the cinema even more now. I don't even think it is to a certain extent. Um, we know that it's done over a billion dollars. It's, you know, you guys mentioned it on the actual last podcast, actually saying it was the most underperforming of the sequel trilogy, which it is. Um, wouldn't call it a disappointment, but did it perform as well? Considering what happened with The Last Jedi, I think it's done probably maybe a little bit better. The fact it's got over a billion dollars is huge anyway. But um, So I wanted to just put it out there around what are our thoughts around episode nine now the dust has settled. I don't think any of us have seen it anymore. Is that a correct question, guys? I have. Guys? Oh, I right, two days ago. Oh, right, okay. Oh wow! Cool. Let's go with let's go with you. Let's go with you because then it's clearly the most recent in your mind. Um, you obviously came out of the cinema quite skeptical. Is probably the wrong word, but you were quite measured in how your approach was. And for you listeners, you know we did a we did an immediate reaction show with Ali, Dave, and myself, where Dave and I were quite hyped about it. Dave, your kind of views it changed a little bit somewhat, but we'll get to that in a minute. But Ali, for you at the moment, are you still kind of where you were before? Has anything changed for you? I genuinely don't mean to be disrespectful to this film, but it, it's the first Star Wars film that's ever sent me to sleep. I, I actually fell asleep during it the other day. Didn't you fall asleep during Rogue One? I thought you did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, probably, but that's that's not a trilogy film. This is a trilogy <laughs> film. Oh, outperformed this film. So a non-trilogy <laughs> film has been outperformed by uh, just a standalone film. So it's it's not a good film. It's not a good film. There are, and the, one of the reasons it's not a good film is, as I was touching on with that book thing, there are things that the book's already explaining, or indeed the visual dictionary 
that that make this film better because they didn't do a good job in telling the story. And do you think? It's bitty. It jumps all over the place. It's not coherent. If if Palpatine was meant to be like the big bad from the start, there are so many problems with the films before it that make no sense. It just it doesn't work. So <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to ask a question here without being too blunt, but no, you can because like I say, I would give it a five out of ten. Like, okay, and that's what I gave it when it first came out. Yeah. But you know, if if you think about it, it's if you think about the sequel and like I, I really don't want to steal Days Thunder because I think maybe I know what he's going to say, and <laughs> and I agree with him on it. So so oh, oh my god. <laughs> so um, it's it's just yeah, it's not it's not a film that I can see myself going back to very often, and out of the entire sequel trilogy, the only film I'll probably go back to is The Force Awakens. Okay, so when you saw it the other day, what, what number of viewing for you? Four. Okay, cool. Four. Dave, over to you, because your view of this has changed a little bit since we did that reaction show. It has. Uh, I, first, to a point that Ali just mentioned then, that <clears throat> will seek to explain or will ha- add extra in than, than what we actually saw in the movie. I would agree with that, and I think that's one of the reasons that this book is is so long delayed from when the film... I think... I don't think they'll ever admit to it, but I would say that this novel has probably had a little bit of rework to expand upon some of the plot holes that have appeared in the movie. Agree. Uh, yeah. Because it was Although, out on pre-sale and then they delayed it. What other reason? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it would have been launched alongside the film, as all the other books have been done. Yeah. So that that's my first point. Um, but I would also, like like I said, I would also say that pretty much all of the novels that have been written, other than the original trilogy, bizarrely enough, other than the original trilogy, all of the novels that have been written have additional content in which is a strange thing. But uh, The Phantom Menace was the first one to do that, which was something that we published as one of our facts of the day. So I then had a quick look after discovering that as a fact, um, that The Phantom Menace had three entire chapters in that were not in the the film. So I had a quick look, and it appears that pretty much every novel other than the original trilogy has got additional content in, either explaining something or setting a scene somewhere or or providing a little bit of a background before something else then happens. So I would say it's not unusual that they've done this for the, um, the Rise of Skywalker, but I would say what is unusual is that the book has been delayed by three to four months because they've had to put in additional content, which I don't think they'll, I honestly don't think they'll ever admit to. Uh, so that's, that's responding to, to Ali's comment around the, the additional content or the the filling in the plot holes. I would agree it is. It's filling in the plot holes. Um, then to, to answer your question, um, Alex. Um, he can multitask. He, sorry, yes. Yes, <laughs> I can multitask. See, see I am, I'm also able to carry two threads of conversation. Um <laughs> yes, my 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 opinion 
has changed on the movie. I think I came out initially rating it as a, as a seven, uh, maybe even a seven and a half. And I think the reason that I did that is still justifiable. It felt like a Star Wars movie, which is something that the writers, the, 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 the Last Jedi didn't feel. So I think I said at the time that if Star Wars is done right, there's something about Star Wars movies that you just, I, I, I even use the term, you jump on the bus, you ride the bus, and you ignore some of the bumps in the road because the Star Wars feel just grabs you and drags you along. And that was severely lacking in The Last Jedi, which is why we saw warts and all. We saw the flaws in that movie, and it didn't feel right with us. So, walking in to watch The Rise of Skywalker, it felt like a Star Wars movie again. It had the right tone, it had the right pace, it jumped all over the place. And there are plot holes aplenty. But I think, unlike... Unlike The Last Jedi, you don't notice them at the time. So I think pretty much we all walked out of the cinema from watching The Last Jedi with the view, other than you, Ali, who I think came to the the, the same view eventually. Yep. But we all walked out of the cinema with, with a massive, what on earth was that? That just didn't feel right. And so we noticed so many errors in the movie that it prevented the movie becoming immersive enough that you overlook the errors in the movie or errors in the movie maybe that's the correct term <laughs> um, don't confuse how- errors and errors now Dave for God's sake <laughs> however um, the rise of Skywalker had the right tone so it allows you to overlook some of the errors in the movie um, and so we did and so it felt better perhaps than it is with hindsight, I would actually say that it slipped on a grading for me. I would say it's probably a six now. Um, but <clears throat> it's it's still a better movie than The Last Jedi because it has the right tone. It feels right. It, the, the pace is right. The, the, the characterizations feel right. Um, what doesn't feel right is the overarching story. And I think that's that's now what's happened for me. From watching the entire trilogy, the trilogy itself becomes sort of irrever- irrelevant to me. Um, I, it, I raised the question, why was it made? But what I literally made raised that point on the night we watched it, Dave. Mm, if you yeah. back to the podcast. That was the question I asked, which I was struggling with on first view of that film was... What was the point of that whole trilogy? Yeah. And I still can't find it. No. No, if, it undoes everything that we loved about the original trilogy for me. And I, and I have said over previous podcasts that I felt that pretty much all of the original trilogy characters have been tarnished by the trilogy, other than the droids. Um, they're the only ones who haven't come out of it worse off for, for the, the way that it's been done. You had Han, who was uh, uh, who backslid so far that he became worse than what we saw in Solo. He became a scoundrel, he became a thief, he became a con artist. He'd run out on his wife after his son went bad. He, he didn't stick around. 
you then had Luke who turned his back on everything and everything that he created uh, became a hermit. And now I know that the argument is so did Yoda, so did Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, Obi-Wan Kenobi was looking after Luke to make sure that Luke was going to grow up and, and survive long enough to become the future again. And Yoda, yeah, fair enough, Yoda went into, into hiding and, and, and disappeared. But Yoda was 900 years old. He was hardly in the prime of his life. And he was up against an entire galaxy that wanted him dead. Whereas Luke Skywalker wasn't in that position. He, his school had just been destroyed by his prize student, who was also his nephew, who it looks like he'd almost contemplated murdering in his sleep. That, that didn't feel like Luke Skywalker. And, and it's been said enough, enough times, so moving on. Um, Leia, you never saw her as the success that she was as a, a, a senator, as a leader. You saw her, her dream of a united uh, republic destroyed within her own lifetime. Um, you, for, for me, all of the main characters, when you go through the, the sequel trilogy, I understand that they're handing the baton over to new heroes, handing the baton on to the next generation. I have no qualms with that. That's, that, that's right. That's the way it should be. But you don't have to build up your modern heroes by tarnishing your old ones. And that's for me, is the way it's felt. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Ali. I think the only movie I will return to, I think, and enjoy, even though it does tarnish Han Solo, is The Force Awakens. Mr. Contraries. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Alex. You haven't really had a go at this yet. <laughs> well, I was going to start calling you the Contrary Brothers there. But, um, <laughs> well, it can't be. <laughs> it's, it's the Brothers Clark. Yes. And you got the yeah, the, the Contrary Clarks. There you go. ACDC. Um, Indeed. <laughs> I'm going to put you guys in the Contrary Corner. From, from now on, we're going to have a, a section on the podcast called the Contrary Corner, where you two can just go at it for a little bit. I think that's a really good thing to do. Um, but... <laughs> No, we'll Bruce, before we, <laughs> before we get into me, Andy, um, when we came out of it, you were highly positive. Uh, said it was one of the best in the sequel trilogies anyway that you thought it was. You gave it, I think you gave it a 9 out of 10. Maybe so, that's correct. Um, I, I did. So we've, we've had the negative ninnies in the contrary corner. Um, well, um, I would say the majority positive. corner. Let's give some positivity to this movie, mate. What, what about you? What are you still feeling about it? I, I still think it's epic, um, to be honest. Uh, yes, yes, uh, it has its flaws. But, I mean, as a, as a general sort of one-sentence review, it blew me away um, visually, story, etc., etc. And I could watch it about 15 times on the bounce, probably. So when it comes out on a Blu-ray, you're going to be signing up for it, ready for it to be released and watch it when you get it? Yes, yes. I've, I have, I have pre-ordered the um, the Ultra <coughs> the box set, so it's as part of that the, the Rise of Skywalker is in it, along with all the other the other eight films, um, plus loads of extras and stuff as well. So yeah, I will I will probably watch them all on the bounce, but I am looking forward to that one in particular. Um, I, I can't really. I, I'll try and delve into it a little bit without it turning into a proper Rise of Skywalker review show. But one of the things for me is. As I've said before, I'm a big fan of the the movies, but I'm a big fan of movies in general. To be fair, now I never used to be. 
it's only only sort of the last five years really I've properly got into to cinema. Dave, I remember when I when I first um, worked alongside him in 2014. I, I hadn't seen many films. He used to list. Oh, have you seen this? No. Have you seen this? No. And I've really got I into. It. Kick, I drag you kicking and screaming to go watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen a single Marvel film until Guardians of the Galaxy, and and, and I wasn't keen. Then was I? I said, no, nah, you, you, know, you just go yeah. along, and I won't bother. That's a great introduction to the Marvel universe, though, because that's a really it good was. film. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Was. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a big movie fan, and, then, I, and ever since then, I, I've I've really got into it. We've got a big collection now at home. Um, I've got my sort of surround sound system in the living room, so yeah, cinema is a big part of this. Um, I love I love visuals. I like the sound. I studied music at college. I, I like you know immersive experiences in terms of sound. So that, for the Rise of Skywalker, for me, hit all of those briefs visually, absolutely stunning. CGI was on point. The cinematography, the sweeping scenes, the the oceans slapping up against the ruins of the Death Star, the sound of that. It was that's why there's the sort of cinema I find epic, sound stages, etc. I, I so would agree that, with all of that though. But yeah, that, yeah. for me, that's why it felt like a Star Wars movie. It is, yeah, very much so. It was along the, the, the it, path yeah, of the field. Yeah, it, it had everything it needed. Yeah, it was the story for me that was probably its letdown. Yeah, well, that that well, I'll, okay. Well, that's my next point actually. So the the, the point of the story, I think, and uh, we raised this in the actual review show, is I blame the Last Jedi. I don't want to turn it into the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> for me, <clears throat> me and Alex watched them back to back, all three, all three in the cinema. We and my my other half Becky was there as well. Now we watched Force Awakens, and actually we thought. Well, that was that was a really good film, actually. I enjoyed that a lot more uh, second time round at the cinema. And then there was a huge dip in in quality for me in the last yeah. Jedi. And even yeah. as I mean, we're we're sort of hardcore Star Wars fans. My other half, Becky, isn't. She likes the films, but that's about it. Um, and even she didn't really laugh. She was like, "It's a bit boring, isn't it? Nothing really happens." Um, but there, there, was, there was a quote. It was that was a bit crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then she. And, the episode nine then went back up again for me. So there's a there's a definite weak link. I think it's it's I think actually it's more prominent than people say with the prequel trilogy. So I know you've got the Phantom Menace, which obviously was slightly panned, but I think it's a good film. It then sort of drops off a bit for me with Attack of the Clones, and then Revenge of the Sith sort of brings it back up again. And I think that for me again, the other people might might differ, but. For me, that is replicated in the sequel trilogy. The middle one is actually the weak link. And to a certain degree, I think The Rise of Skywalker tried to undo some of The Last Jedi. I think it tried to erase. Yeah, I agree. Can can I come in on that, though? Because I disagree once you've had your bit, Dave. No, no, I was just saying I I agree. I, I, I totally agree that The Rise of Skywalker was punished by what came before compromised i think is a good word i think it was compromised Compromised. yeah 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 but 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 that doesn't detract for me that from now seeing the entire trilogy the entire trilogy for me is a flawed trilogy it is and i don't think it's the last jedi that is purely at fault in that i think the actual premise of the trilogy is wrong well, I, I think there's more evidence, though, Dave, that the fact that it isn't just The Last Jedi, because we've now seen the script for Jewel of Fates, the Colin Trero film. We've seen yes. what episode nine was meant to be until someone at Lucasfilm, no names Kathleen Kennedy, probably, decided to go against that. 
so so we know that there was there, there was a script that was fully out there and if you read it I think actually it makes a lot more sense than what we ended up with. And I know some people do and some people don't think that. And we've seen the artwork from it, so we know how far along it went. So I don't think you can necessarily say it's the fault of The Last Jedi, but it's the fault of the hierarchy of Lucasfilm. And maybe even some people high up in Disney as well with that, for what's happened with Episode Nine. Possibly. I would, I would counter that with, actually, is it are they to blame for the last Jedi as well? Because they they well, okay. Yeah, well, they, well, yeah, they would have been. Definitely. Have been. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, I think the whole thing is very interlinked, but it it doesn't detract. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm struggling, but trying to keep this on to the Rise of Skywalker. I, I, I really don't want to talk about the last Jedi, but <laughs> the, the whole the holes in that film and the and the things that that Ryan Johnson sort of. I don't want to use the word ruined, but they were. The elements of the story were ruined. Characters were ruined. What he did with Luke is unforgivable in my eyes. Absolutely unforgivable. Um, you know, I mean, the, the the hero of the of the whole franchise, to be honest, and he's just, you know, his death was just such an anticlimax. I was angry when I watched it. So, yeah, I mean, the story was definitely compromised, I think, by The Last Jedi. Um, there's one other point I want to make very quickly. I, I realise I'm rambling slightly. Um, I, I wanted to try and get Becky, my other half, as a, as a sort of guest star on the, the Rise of Skywalker podcast. And, and the reason being is that she has some quite interesting thoughts about the film. Not, not necessarily as we would, as, as geeks, fans, nerds, whatever you want to call us. As, as a very casual Star Wars fan, but also as a young female who, who identifies with Rey in a way that none of us would. And her, her, there's certain things she noticed. One of the things that stuck out for me was she said throughout the entire film and actually then throughout the entire trilogy, there wasn't really any sex scene, kissing, love story arc at all. It was very much Ray is a very powerful female character and she doesn't need any male influence to be that. that. Really? I dis- yeah, I disagree with that because Ryan Johnson really introduced that with the forced texting. Um, yeah, between it, it wasn't a blatant love story was it, it, it in the it, in the way that she saw it it was very much this there was a massive movement on social media for Raylo which came out of that movie so so there's a, yeah. there's a large large amount of fans that actually felt that the last jedi had a massive love love uh, or possible love thing which which then leads on to why at the the end of the Rise of Skywalker you had that final kiss. Yeah, yeah, she did like Rose. Almost like an unrequited love. Possibly, yeah. I, 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 I want to try and get her on to try and explain it, but she won't. She's too shy. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it was it was a very interesting conversation we had actually. We, we were going out for the day, we were just sitting in the car talking about it, and and she said some really interesting things. And it was it it wasn't the way I viewed the film. I can't explain it because it was it was a few weeks ago. I can't really remember it, but it was it wasn't how I viewed the film. And I think from a young female point of view, it's a very different film. And and Ray is a Ray is a, as a character is a very different character. Well, okay, okay, carry, carry, sorry, sorry to interrupt again, but I suggest you you do a Google for Raylo after this podcast, um, because it tends to be young female movement 
that really pushes this idea that Raylo would was going to happen. Yeah, so that's, so. that's another thing. It's, I, I don't see. I don't think Becky's views in the mono, in the majority. To be fair, yeah. it, it isn't. I, don't, I, I am aware of the Raylo thing. Uh, she she yeah. didn't see it like that. She was very much of a case of um, Kylo is the pursuer and Ray is sort of I don't need you. I'm I'm good without you sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's not like like a lot of traditional movies movies where the female character would only be a strong character because of a male influence. And yeah. and and Ray was in Becky's eyes, Ray was very much that without Kylo, without Finn, without, you know, any other male character. She was the she was the heroine on her own back completely. You know, obviously we could go to the bloodline thing, but as a character, she was not influenced by a a or not influenced by she was she was not supported by a male character to put her on that pedestal. She was on that pedestal on her own back. That's how she saw it anyway. I wouldn't argue then, with that, to be fair. Yeah. Argue with that. She was um, all, she, she was, I, mean, I would agree with that. She was the pinnacle hero and the other heroes were her supporting cast as opposed yeah. to the female being the supporting cast. Yeah, and that and for Becky, uh, she said that's not something she sees represented in cinema. So, like, big thumbs up to Star Wars because that was a that was a fantastic way to portray that character. As in, I don't I don't need a man. I'm fine without a man. It's and it's it's actually quite an unusual stance. So, anyway, I don't want to get bogged down in in the rise of Skywalker. We've got plenty more to talk about, but yeah, those those are my thoughts uh, overall. Yeah, cracking film. <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny because like, I kind of sit in the middle between you guys where I don't think it's a five or a six. I don't think it's a nine. It's a solid eight, I think, for me. Um, and <clears throat> in a couple of months, it's kind of been passed. I've been thinking about it quite a lot, actually, because I know that there's, to your point, Dave, there's this feeling that the original trilogy characters were tarnished. Um, <clears throat> then there's the perception that we needed these new this new blood and stuff like that. But the thing... I don't look at well. I do look at that when I take into my consideration how I feel about this film. But the thing that stands out for me is how, to your point, Andy, how different seven and nine are compared to eight. And I think I do agree that nine has been. What was the word that you used? Tarnished? No, not tarnished. What was the word that you used? Compromised. Um, compromised. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was. It was compromised. Now. Ali, I get, I understand your point in that the overarching thing was probably a Lucasfilm decision, and I, I understand that as well. But for me, the the sequel trilogy is incredibly similar to the to the to the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy from a very structural point of view. You've got your archetypal hero. The original trilogy was Luke. The prequel trilogy was Anakin, and the sequel trilogy was 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 Rey. They were both, both all three of them. We're on Desert Planets, again, all very similar. Um, they were in the first movie of each of the respective trilogies, they were they were scared, they didn't want to leave. Anakin didn't want to leave his mum. Luke didn't want to leave Tatooine until Unclone and Arbaru died, and Ray didn't want to leave uh, Jakku because she was waiting for her parents. You then transition to the second movie where they start to explore their um their powers and their skills where they learn and they have to make a decision to go up against the bad guy. We see Anakin go up against Dooku. We see J- uh, Luke initially go up against Vader, gets his hand chopped off. Uh, Anakin obviously gets his hand chopped off as well <laughs> in, um, in Attack of the Clones. And then Rey goes up against both Snoke and Kylo Ren. Now, she doesn't lose any of her limbs, which is different to, to, the, to the previous seven movies. But anyway, um, and then we get to the final film where they become the ultimate 
hero. Now, obviously, what we see is, and they have tendencies to struggle with the dark side, and we see that in each of them because we know, obviously, we know Anakin turns. We know that Luke had feelings of anger. You know, he wasn't that archetypal Jedi. He was all dressed in black. We know that there was struggles within him to a certain extent with the dark side of the Force. And then we saw Rey. She's a daughter of Palpatine. She has lightning uh, coming out of her fingers. So there are these things that remain equal in each of the trilogies and each of the hero stories that are maintained within them. And for me, that that's kind of what makes the heartbeat of a Star Wars movie simultaneously you then get this big bad now the big bad clearly changed from seven to nine now again was that because of what happened in episode eight more than likely i think it's pretty clear that we know that the only reason why they brought back palpatine was because there was no smoke now and to your point ali we know in the original um trevorrow script there was this 7,000 year old Sith Lord who had never been found before that Kylo Ren all of a sudden found. And I'm like, if there's this like, super like Vader scene, did in the comic when he found the Sith Lord in the, in the helmet. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Thing. No, no, I completely agree with that. But what I mean, I mean, obviously that story isn't that didn't happen. Um, so while the Trevorrow script makes sense to a certain extent, it's not real. It's not canon. It's not even a book. It, it's a it's a it's a script that's thrown up and chucked in the bin. So while should it be considered? Maybe is it going to be considered? No, because it's not Star Wars. So I don't think that comes into for me anyway. This is my opinion. This is how I see it. Because if you start thinking about oh what if this had happened and what if that had happened, you start going into your own head cannon and then you start harking back to oh well actually if Thrawn was actually still alive, then he could have been used in this that, and the other. So it becomes a very hypothetical conversation about what Star Wars could have been when actually it's not. It's about what is contained within the nine movies and books and novelization, as the case may be for the Rise of Skywalker, and we'll get to that in just a minute. So I think it's it's kind of taking all of that into my mind to make me think that the rise of Skywalker for me, it's a good film. Thoroughly enjoyed it from when we saw it together, Andy, and then we saw it Ali at the same time as well. And I've seen it again, subsequently. So I've seen it three times. Do I want to see it again? Absolutely. Will I watch it again? Totally. When it comes out on Blu-ray, that, that's, I'm, I'm probably going to take the day off of work and watch all three back to back because I thoroughly enjoyed doing that because you do see the differences between each of the film from a storytelling point of view, from a character arc point of view as well. And the thing for me that stands out to make this film better than The Last Jedi, apart from the obvious, um, is Kylo Ren's story arc from start to finish. Now, we had a big debate, guys, if you remember correctly, when we started talking about The Last Jedi and how, you know, there was this conversation, should he be redeemed? Should he not be redeemed? And this, that, and the other. And and back then, I said he has to die. You know, the, to your point, Dave, I think we were quite agreeing on this, weren't we, that if he gets redeemed and stays, there's a bigger question mark that is around the morals <laughs> to a certain extent of Star Wars. Yeah. The amount of killing that is done, he was brutal, you know, killed his dad and this, that, and the other. Now, yes. if he'd have stayed alive, I would have had beef with that. Um, but he was killed. Yeah, he turned to good, but he died to save Ray in a very similar circumstance that Darth Vader killed the, 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 the Emperor to then save his son. So there was always an element of the savior component of that archetypal hero as well, where Anakin became a Jedi. He tried to save his wife and kids. Luke tried to save his aunt and uncle initially and tried to save his dad. And obviously Ray tried to save 
Kylo and to a certain extent Luke as well. So there's that that cycle of a repetitive storyline, and that has always been something that has been within Star Wars. And for me, that 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 has to be there because if you don't get that, it's not a Star Wars film. So that's a very personal point of view. Um, so I think the, the the long way around I'm going about this is that there are things in this film that I completely love massively. Now there are things in there that are highly questionable, like riding horses um, in the upper <laughs> atmosphere of on a on a on a on a ship, but. You know, if you listen, listeners, if you go back to the show that we did at the initial, you know, we said this this should have been just episode nine. Just go with it. Um, and at that point, to your part today, I was like, I was well and truly on the bus. I was on the top deck ringing the bell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going with it. Does it make sense? No, it does not. Come on. Who rides a horse on horseback on the blood in space? Let's be honest. But at the same point, when I saw all those horses coming out of that starship, I'm like, all right, this is a bit mental, but it's actually pretty cool at the same time. And then obviously you get all the Sith troopers coming out and whatnot. Um, so I think for me, it's a it's it's a thoroughly enjoyable film. Is the storyline good? It's not the best, absolutely not. To be fair, it's on par with the with the prequel to a certain extent in that respect. Um, but I think ultimately it's a decent Star Wars film. You know, it's a solid eight out of ten for me. Um, so I'm now going to get off of my soapbox. Because uh, I realise that I've been speaking for a good solid five minutes without letting anybody interject. <laughs> um, but I think this is it's actually a good segue into the piece where we're going to be talking about the novelisation. And, and Ali, there's something in particular that you wanted to raise around the novelisation and its expansion of the movie. Yeah. I, do we want to say it in case people haven't seen it and it's a huge spoiler? Well, there's plenty of spoilers on social media at the moment. So... It's a hot topic in fandom. Let's be honest. If you know, it is. It is. I'm like, let's face it. The book hasn't even been released yet. No. Yeah. Out there. Yeah. Okay. So, so what we're talking about <laughs> here is just that it's confirmed that Palpatine is a clone. That that's what we're talking about here. And and there was to me quite a lot of um, confusion around that fact whilst watching the film. We knew Snoke was a clone. We saw the tanks. Um, but it but it seemed to me. We, we weren't sure if it was his original body that had come out, if what it was. And, and it's just this whole area that seems to have been glossed over. And then in a book, it sort of confirmed it when, when it would have been really easy to put it in a film. And, and I think there's going to be more of that. So, so as you were saying about the, um, the sort of army of people who were on Exegol, who were um who were the crew and built the ships that we saw with planet killing capabilities every single one of them unbelievably of which there is still one out there um in this universe but um it, so they they apparently were actually a planet that were obsessed with the sith believed in it as a religion and they devoted their whole lives to it okay that suddenly makes a lot of sense where all the people appeared in the sort of grand arena where you see palpatine mm. but but it didn't make any sense during the film. All of a sudden, these random people just appeared. And it seems that the book might explain some of these bits, which will help me understand this film a bit more, even though I, yeah, I, I just, I'm like, Dave, I don't, I, I, I struggle with this film quite a lot. Yeah. Um, well, the, the novelization aside and, and what we'll see, we'll see in the book. I'm not keen sure. to read it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of saying here. Uh, I, I'm trying to. I'm right, Al, uh, Alex. You you might be able to pick something from this, but I'm thinking, trying to wrap my brains for where we've heard of Sith cultists before. 
and whether it's been a thing previously. Because I, I can't think of anything. There's been a Sith Empire, but that was <laughs> thousands of years before. But here's Sith, a question for you, Dave. Sith Sorry, civilization. Then. There's Sorry. been Sith planets, right? They have. Moribane. Moribane. So why did yeah. they bring this new planet into it? Why, what, when they already had it in things like Clone Wars, what was the point of Exegol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then... I don't understand <laughs> it. <laughs> you, you've, okay, okay, now, now we're going into like weird plot holes here. But you've also got things such as the Sith Dagger. Yeah. So the Sith Dagger was produced before the destruction of the Death Star. Correct. So why did it allow someone stood on the planet to measure a point on the remains of the Death Star? You've got to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's lots of things like that. Um, but maybe it'll be explained in the book. Who knows? Um, <laughs> that, that's the thing. That's, that that's, a, that's... That a, that The thing is designed that's older than the thing that it's measuring. That was a random event and... It just happens to be that that's the way that that bit of the Death Star was lying on a planet. And she just happens to stand at the one point where the dagger exactly measures the distance and where something is. Yeah. And there are two wayfinders, and one of them happens to be put in a place where the Emperor had barely been in. What? Why? Yeah. Yeah, I, I... Which was easily destroyed a few years before the first version. Why? Yeah. Well, but yeah, and and that then also then, as I said, where did the Sith cultists come from? How how had we managed to get an entire planet of Sith cultists exactly. who had enough technical nouns and enough um, expertise and materials to produce thousands of star destroyers all within their own atmosphere? In a hidden planet that you have to travel yeah. down some sort of debris-filmed, almost wormhole to get to. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of things like that in this movie, and I think I think that that then comes down to, as as um, Andy has already said, it's the compromises. It's the fact that the Last Jedi allowed. J.J. Abrams to go almost nowhere with a new story, he had to then go backwards. Yeah. And he's decided to go back to Return of the Jedi and say, you know what, we've got a, we've got a plan that involves the Emperor surviving. And so we bring back a new bad, um, which then undermines the Return of the Jedi, which is, I think, the bit that they missed out. That's that's the bit that they probably uh, didn't contemplate. I, I disagree with that. Well, it means the, film... the, the sacrifice of being <clears throat> nothing. No, because the film is called Return of the Jedi. And at the end of the film, the Jedi had returned. And then by the 30 years later, the Jedi had disappeared again. Yeah, but that's 30 years later. You can say the same that, you know, when you look at the way that the Sith and the Jedi have kind of gone about it. Yeah, the Sith went away a thousand years ago. But... Even in real life, things change. You know, it's True. thirty years. Is not, you know, is the, the the objective of the original trilogy was to see the rise of, of Luke Skywalker and the redemption of Vader because so Vader was Vader's the chosen the one, Jedi right? Have and <clears throat> yeah, but at the end of Return yeah. of the Jedi, the the sacrifice of Vader will balance to the Force. 
that was the prophecy. But, but we only. But it didn't. <laughs> no, it's, no, but we only. No, but hold on. We only know what the prophecy means by what the Jedi interpreted the prophecy to mean. But even then, the, even then, in 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 the original, in the prequel trilogy, we know that Mace and Yoda were like, well, maybe we've interpreted it wrong. So yeah. if if all we're learning about a prophecy is through movies of somebody saying this is what it means, and actually half halfway through the end of the final film, they're like, well, actually, maybe it doesn't mean that. You know, um, it's highly questionable. And for me, at the end of the at the end of Anakin's story. If we go along with the prophecy that he brought balance to the force, at the end of the return of the Jedi, there is balance in that meaning that there was no Sith, there was no Vader, and that Luke had returned the Jedi, and therefore the Jedi were going to come back. And that's exactly what did happen until Kylo Ren went bad. Now, so you can argue that the first six movies aren't compromised from a chosen one perspective, because even in that scene where Ray hears all the voices of the Anakin Skywalker says, uh, I can't remember the actual phrase it is, but it's effectively um, right. bring balance to the force that I once did. So they've kind of brought in the concept that there was balance. But by balance, as we said before, and I know we're very ground again, but is balance then meant to mean <coughs> there is Jedi and no dark side? Is that balance? That's Who not knows? I mean, see, that, so that's, that's the thing. No, nobody knows. Well, it's not a problem because nobody actually knows because ultimately the balance is... Well, George Lucas Sith, does, the, and he killed the, him the, off. No, but the Sith have never actually gone away. But George Lucas... The problem is, is George Lucas is not involved in these three films and he was in the first six and it is pretty clear where he was going in those six films. However, flip that, he was involved in the prequel trilogy and he got absolutely No, no, but the end... No, but hold on, hold on. Six, no, but what I'm saying is that is he, right. he was... He was criticised for his making of the prequel trilogy, the story in the prequel trilogy, and how it was made. He was absolutely butchered. But what's that now, got to do with anything about the story? Well, people crowing for him to come back now when he was butchered for the first, well, the, sorry, the, the, the next trilogy that he had made. Why would he come back and do another three after the reaction that the fans gave him last time? I agree with that, but, but still, the thing so is, I don't at understand the end of George Lucas, are, no. where he made it, at the end of it, you end up with this situation that has just been completely changed by this latest incarnation. Yeah, but which, things which, always which takes it, doing it. I can say that that takes me back then to my original my original comment. What was the point of the sequel trilogy? Well, I agree. What's the point of any movie if you're going to get that critical? Well, it's a it's a science it's a science fiction movie that doesn't it's not real it's not based on a true story it's not like we're taking facts and twisting them to become oh, no, no, irrelevant. No, no. This is a science fiction movie about space wizards, right? <laughs> People that have glow in the dark swords that can lift rocks with their mind and can blow up. Um, but it's it's uh, this is the thing that gets me. It's a science fiction. I love it, right? And I'm as big as fan as anyone. But people are getting way too precious to a certain extent because of, the, of, a, of an interpretation of a prophecy that was delivered by George Lucas then was butchered for making the films about the prophecy, yet now he's not involved. People are saying, hold on, we need George Lucas back. He's like, why, why does that make any sense? Yeah, but Dave and I aren't those people. No, no, I'm not, I'm, I, no, I, I, no. I said but nothing we're not about those people. George Lucas. And, and we're just saying, like, from, it, it changes that story for us in that yeah. it didn't need to because it didn't need to exist. That's what we're saying. So there's, there's the story that I and and a large proportion of other Star Wars fans grew up and loved. 
has been undermined by this new trilogy. The, the sacrifices I, I, that were made mean nothing. Yeah, I, the characterizations I were undone. Han Solo, and one of your biggest gripe, Dave's, is, is Han Solo and his perception of being well, he was from a characteristic. But right, he was so, the first, and I think that, and and I, I, from a Luke Skywalker perspective, I totally agree with you. From a Han perspective, I completely disagree because he's returning to type. He when we got introduced, when we got introduced, when we got introduced to Han Solo, he was a smuggler. He was a thief. He. Um, he basically was an all-round dodgy man, right? As simplistic as you want to get. Um, yet, by the end, even at the end of, of A New Hope, he was still just out for himself. He was out for his money. He said to Luke, leave the rebellion, join me, and we can make a load of money, basically. He only came back because he saw his mate is in trouble, which is a great character, and we saw that in Solo. He's a very loyal individual, the way he is with Chewie. But his fundamental characteristic throughout his introduction in Star Wars and all the way through to the end of A New Hope was that he's out for himself and he's out to make a quick buck. Now, what has happened after Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, we don't know. It gets explored in some of the comics in some of the books. But ultimately, he tends to go back to that way because that's his fundamental characteristic of an individual. So what I think JJ was smart in doing in doing that He's, a, he's actually kind of seen Han Solo for that shady individual that he was. And yes, he was a captain. Yes, he was a hero at the end of Return of the Jedi. But if you're thinking from a core human nature perspective, everyone has their archetypal, stereotypical way of being as a person. And I think, anyway, this is me, that Han Solo just returns to that. So I don't think it's diminishing him. I think it's just an interesting arc of his character. Um, I, I, I would fundamentally disagree with that because I, I think it pushes him further back than we ever saw him in any of the movies. Yes, I agree, he was the scoundrel. He was the rogue. And he was the one looking to make money. He was a smuggler. I, I don't think mm -hmm. he was ever positioned he was a thief. He was never positioned as disloyal or a cheat he was he was positioned as someone who was trying to make a quick book on the fringes of society. That was how he's positioned, not not as the disloyal, the distrustworthy. He was never positioned in that way. The reason that there was a price on his head was because he was boarded by an Imperials and so he jettisoned his cargo. It wasn't because he was double-crossing Jabba. It wasn't because he was trying to make a quick bit of money on the side of Jabba's deal. So for me, the way he, he was positioned in uh, Force Awakens was much further back in his his moral compass. His moral compass had been, been been pushed much much further back than where we had seen him ever. Um, he became the scoundrel again, but he became worse than that. He became a cheat, a double crosser, someone who took money with no remorse and no thought that he was going to complete what what had been done to him or or what he promised to do. So for me, that wasn't Han Solo. And then you couple that with running out on supposedly the woman he loved after his, his child. And maybe I'm just wrapping this around the fact that as a dad, 
I just look at that and think, if your child had be- become a monster, and at that point, he couldn't have become a monster straight away, you would fight tooth and nail to bring your child back to the light. You wouldn't skip out on your wife and say, well, he's your problem, he's not mine. No dad would do that. Well, the difference is you wouldn't because you're a nice man. Um, but there are dads out there that do that. And there are dads that don't really care. And the thing is, while I agree with you that it's not his loyalty, it's an interesting way they took the character. And this is the fantastic thing about Star Wars. We have all seen the same three-hour movie, Time by Nine. We've all seen the same 27-hour duration of the Skywalker saga. The Palpatine saga. The (laughs) the Palpatine saga. But ultimately, we can all come up with so many different conclusions to the same information that we're provided. I'd agree with that. And that, for me, that's just what makes it an an incredibly interesting set of movies. Yeah, I I don't know if we're going to get onto the Clone Wars, Alex, anytime (laughs) soon. But... It, it is related to what we're talking about right now, and I think it's, it's something we've touched on many times. One of the things I've loved about going back to the Clone Wars is, is that these are characters that I genuinely care about. I still find myself, at the end, not caring about these three characters as much as I did the big three in the original trilogy, or the big three in the prequels. I don't. And, and it's or, one the, th- or the crew of the Ghost. I, I just, or Captain Rex. And I think that's a, that that it's my problem as you said it's all interpretation but mm. but it's a pretty big one for me and i don't know why that is other than is it the story or the way they're written or that but i just well, I, I don't get emotionally involved in them and it's been one of the wonderful things about the mandalorian as well is that i just straight away was invested mm. in those characters see it's funny you say that and i completely agree so like when when the clone wars returned last week and, and I, I said this to you on our group, and I even tweeted it out. The first two episodes of The Clone Wars, for me, are better than The Mandalorian. Now, The Mandalorian's great, don't get me wrong. But there is just something fundamental about The Clone Wars that is... I don't want to call it proper Star Wars, because that diminishes The Mandalorian. I don't mean it to. But there's, to your point, Ali, there is just something so on the nose of it being Star Wars. Now, I don't know if it's because it's the return to your point, Dave, of Anakin, of Rex, of Obi-Wan, and it's all the original voice actors as well. So it's not as if they're brought in a whole bunch of new people. Um, it's the same voice. It like going people. Home. Yeah, it, it's familiar, it's comfortable, but it's a whole new heap of stories. Um, and we're kind of jumping into Mandalorian and Clone Wars, but it is, it's incredibly valid to do so because, the, like I said, the first two episodes of The Clone Wars for me, I'll better than the Mandalorian. And while I know what's going on in the Mandalorian, I know he's not going to die because he's the key man in the show. So I don't have any emotional attachment to him. I have no emotional attachment to Baby Yoda. And that probably makes me sound really harsh. Or the child, I should say, not Baby Yoda, sorry. Um, But for me, I've got no emotional involvement in the Mandalorian. But what I know happens to Obi-Wan, and I know the way Anakin changes in the clone it's an interesting way for them to tell the story of how they get there and without spoiling too much in the most recent episode the interchange between obi-wan and anakin is brilliant yeah and i know you've seen it and dave i know you've seen it and andy i know you don't really care but <laughs> but, but <laughs> I mean, it's a bit and, harsh but yeah I, yeah i did agree. yeah i've watched it <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll explain but, the scene then, Alex. Yeah, then I was going to say. Yeah, so um, this is massive. So listeners, this is spoiler territory. Um, we're at about an hour into the show. If you want to avoid you, this, mate. hit pause and then go on in about 10 minutes' time. But this is obviously where Anakin sneaks off to have a hollow chat with Padme, very secretive, Rex is standing guard. Obi-Wan comes up. Rex gets a little bit shifty. Oh, uh, he's checking my uh, he's checking my equipment. Random routine inspection, I think was the word he used. Um, Anakin comes out, throws him his helmet and says, I can't remember what he says. Um, <clears throat> and then he walks off. There's an interchange between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, and then effectively, Obi-Wan turns around and says, I hope you said hi to Padme for me. And then Anakin gives him this look. Doesn't say anything doesn't react other than this look and this look i genuinely think could have killed the man if looks could kill um and it's incredibly poignant because of everything that happened in revenge of the sith um and for me that interchange was more meaningful than eight episodes of the mandalorian as maybe i'm being a bit drastic i don't know i think this is the latest we've seen it in the clone wars it's the closest to Revenge of the Sith, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's kind of interesting in itself. And I do know, I do, I do get what you're saying as well, Alex, in terms of that. But I think, I think the Mandalorian, in many ways, has been quite a slow-burning story. Doesn't mean it's not good, but to get from point oh, A, oh no, to I agree, it's, it's been quite, it's been quite a pedestrian way to get there. So, where we end up at the end of Mandalorian is where I kind of thought we might be after, you know, four episodes, not eight. And they're only yeah, maybe, 30, yeah. 40 minute shows as well. So they're not they're not long, The Mandalorian. So I, I do get what you're saying. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think it goes back to that point. We are invested in these characters because mm. we, we we've loved them for so long and we never got the proper ending of the Clone Wars. And so, you know, but the way that they're introducing the bad bunch, I love it. Oh, I think yeah. It's clever. Yeah. And I think it takes the story forward because, you know, Okay, we're in huge spoiler territory here, but the fact that they talk mm. about droids using data to counteract attacks. Now, that's mm. something probably 10, 15 years ago people weren't really talking about that much. But now, in the data-driven world that we live in, it's, it's real-world implications, and it makes sense, and it's moved on. And it looks a bit more like a first-person shooter video game at points. And, yeah. and I just think, I think it's really interesting to see how, because the time has gone by they've they've changed the story but they've improved it which mm. to go back to our original film thing i don't think they did well okay for my tooth penneth on this one <laughs> i don't know how long ago it was it, it could be it might be 10 12 months ago now i wrote an opinion piece and it was about the investment in the in the characters and the lack of investment that that I had that is probably very similar to you to you, Ali, in the new trilogy characters. Hashtag team contrary. Yes. <laughs> but okay, so so my 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 position on this was very similar to yours, Ali. I don't have the same investment. I don't mind if if Finn, if Poe, if Ray dies during the story, because there's none of them have become someone who has the same feel for me 
as the characters from the original trilogy, but also from the prequels, also from the Clone Wars, and also from uh, Rebels. And the reason that I believe, and it is purely my, my opinion this, the reason I believe that you have that investment in those characters is because of the amount of shared screen time. You very in in up until this final movie of the three, you very rarely saw all of the heroes. In fact, you never saw all of the heroes together. You saw them in pairs at most. You saw them for the most part singly. You saw them acting alone and acting individually and continuing their own stories. Very rarely did you see them as part of something bigger. Whereas you look at the original trilogy. There's a lot of shared time between Han, Luke, and Leia across all three movies. Even when there is the slight side arcs where you see them have their own story separate, such as Luke on, on Dagobah, there is still that shared connection that, that Han and Luke had already built up, and then, then Luke and Leia built up, and then Han with Leia. They became family very quickly in their sound bites, how they reacted to each other, the camaraderie, the, the shared love, the, the shared success, the shared failure. You had the same thing in the prequel trilogy, where you had Anakin, Obi-Wan and Padme working together. Even though the story encompassed 10 years, you saw the way that they bonded together, the way they start grew affection for each other. The fact that Obi-Wan had the mentor uh, position within that relationship, the, the, the way that Anakin idolized Padme, but Padme <clears throat> herself respected Obi-Wan. So the, 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 the three heroes were always part of a family unit. You, you got that in the, the Clone Wars. Because you see the way that Rex, the way that Cody, the way that Obi-Wan, the way that Ahsoka and the way that Anakin react with each other, the mutual respect they have for each other. When something goes wrong, how they console each other. When something goes right, how they celebrate. And you had exactly the same thing in Rebels. You have the crew of the Ghost who spend most of the episodes together as a family unit, relaxing together as well as acting together and reacting to, to missions together. And so it allows you, as a viewer, to become part of that family. You see how they react. You see yourself. You almost impose yourself into this relationship. And you see yourself within the relationship and how you react with them. You, see, you get a sense of their personalities beyond the 2D, how they react in a, in a, in a, a one-on-one situation that you get in the sequel trilogy where pretty much all you ever see is them reacting to what happens to them, not what happens to someone that they're with. And and I think that's that's what's lacking in the sequels. And the Mandalorian shares some of that flaw, to be fair, mm. because you don't have the same... Other than the, the child and the Mandalorian, the other characters are a little bit more transient. And I suppose that's the sequel trilogy. The characters... The main heroes are transient to each other. Their stories progress irrespective of each other in a way. There's this really weird moment, actually, which which orchestrates that in, in The Rise of Skywalker. When C-3PO's rebooted with his memory, yes. 
And he turns around and he says to R2D2, I'm off on my first adventure, or I'm off on Miss Ray's first adventure. What? I've already been on it. And it's like, this is near the end of the third film, and it is her actual first adventure. Yes. With, with the rest of it, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I, first... I think, <clears throat> sorry, and I think that might be why Alex, why the Mandalorian doesn't feel quite as Star Warsy as the Clone Wars do. It's funny, I, again, I, I don't know if this is me being incredibly simple, and I don't know that for me to, to really enjoy it, a proper Star Wars story. And while there isn't a lot of it in the first two episodes of, of, of The Clone Wars, I don't know, you need a Jedi. You need a, a Sith of some description. And while in the first two episodes, you only get fleeting moments with Anakin and Obi-Wan, even though the first 44 minutes of the first two episodes have predominantly been the Bad Batch and, and Rex, that one scene between Anakin and Obi-Wan has got the most airtime amongst the fans. And it's interesting because for me, I don't know, there, there, has, to, it's like, there has to be something like that. And while I love Boba Fett, he's one of my favourite characters, and while The Mandalorian's a great show, the thing that got the biggest reaction out of me, both of confusion and of what, was when the Darksaber appeared. Now, again, I don't know if that's me being really simple. I don't know. Link it into something that was familiar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, again, it could be <clears throat> what, make, what makes a good Star Wars story. Is it the familiar? To a certain extent, yes. Is it something that's new and exciting? Again, to a certain extent, yes. And is it a mixture of the two? And I think that's why, again, I said this before on, on numerous podcasts, and today in particular, where... The, the Star Wars stories that work for me is where you get the beats that are very familiar, that are very, not the same because they're always a little bit different, but you get that, oh yeah, that happened in The Phantom Menace. Ooh. Oh yeah, that happened in another episode of Clone Wars because there are beats that happen in the Clone Wars that happen in the movie as well. No, I'd, I'd agree. But, but doesn't that take you back to this idea that shared value, shared family, that, that sense of family and camaraderie that's lacking in the sequel trilogy. And yeah, and I think that goes back to the point around the fact that The Last Jedi didn't build on those relationships because it, it completely ignored them to a certain extent. Um, it is, yeah. So you've, The Force Awakens? No, 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 but The Force Awakens is the introduction of the characters, right? So if you well, think of the original trilogy, we introduced to... Say that again? Well, not, not the original characters, it isn't. No, 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 no. What I mean is that The Force Awakens is a new story. So you're, uh, and, and obviously the inter interesting part of the sequel trilogy is how there aren't a lot of screen time collectively with all of our heroes. And I completely agree with that. But in the original trilogy, we are introduced to Han, Luke and Leia in different scenes and then their story grows to the end of the movie. We get to the end of The Force Awakens where they're all fighting on the same team. They all get to know each other. And at the end of the movie, you're in a position where okay, let's take things forward as, as, a, as a collective, yet for it to be completely disregarded in The Last Jedi. And I'm not going to get into this as being The Last Jedi bashing session. We've done that enough. <laughs> but because of that lack of fluidity, you don't get it. You didn't get it in The Last Jedi. And by the time, to your point, Dave, you get it, it's in the, the very final film. So you can only establish yeah. that family unit in a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Now, we said this on the first show. Maybe the movie should have been three hours, like... Endgame, and to a certain extent, that probably would have been the better thing to have done to enable 
the greater storytelling, the greater relationship building. But um, I would say that the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy set up the three heroes as a family unit both times. If you look at the the the, the original trilogy where you had Han, Luke and Leia breaking out of the Death Star, mm-hmm. they there was that shared exactly. success, the shared failure, the shared loss of Obi Wan. Arguably, was, you had that in Force Awakens as well. But you, you, had didn't, the death. you didn't have all three of them together. You never had all never. three of them on screen exactly. together, sharing that passion, sharing that that love, sharing that loss, sharing that success. You never have all three of them together. And that that's the bit you missed. Yeah, fair, fair. No, see, for me, that's while while it is important for the overarching three movies. When I got to the end of the Force Awakens, I was like, okay, cool. They now know each other. You know, Poe did, uh, po did the blowing up of the, of the Starkiller base. Finn and Ray went back to back against Kylo Ren. Um, by the end of the movie, Finn already knew Poe. There was a relationship there. And then obviously the end of it should have been Poe and Ray meeting each other properly, which didn't actually happen. Um, and then all of a sudden, that's where the relationship should have been developed on. Yes, but then Finn, in the last... Finn was your joining point at that yeah, point. Yeah, Finn was the middleman. Yeah. yeah, in the same way that Luke was the middleman between Leia and Han. Yes. So, yes. and and in, in arguably Obi Wan is the middleman between Padme and Anakin in a really weird way. Um, if you completely ignore yeah. Qui Gon Jinn, you know you've got you've got the dynamics repeating itself in each of yeah. the end of the first movie, but but it's failed in the TFA yeah. because well, because because the bridge wasn't made. But, yeah, but and the, and the and the Force Awakens is such a big build up. And, and this is us, once again, going on The Last Jedi. But it's such a big build-up to finding Luke Skywalker. That, that But the second film, you think, we're going to see something really big now. Exactly. And this is where Luke's story begins. And that never happened, which which is part of the, the setup meant that we didn't get that cohesive unit because mm-hmm. of the way they were positioning, or we thought, that Luke Skywalker was being positioned. Exactly. I mean, when you think so, so, so I do accept that, but I still do think that the problem's don't start in The Last Jedi, they start in The Force Awakens. I agree, I agree. But I don't think we realised it at the time. Interestingly, Luke, Luke, uh, Mark Hamill said something around the same time as I wrote my article, but his was focused on the original characters. And he said that the people who are now managing Lucasfilm don't understand how important it was for the fans to see Han, Luke and Leia together, all three of them together. So he hit on this mm. thing yeah, that yeah. the fans want that family unit. They want that joined, that, that shared family idea. But he was focusing purely upon his own, his own trilogy people. But you could say exactly the same thing if you then broaden that out to, to the entire heroes of the TFA, the, the Force Awakens. It, they, they never get that chance to bond as a unit that operate together, that anticipate each other's moves, that are able to work together. It, it's almost a case of the, the when you have a group and a team I suppose this goes into the workplace as well. So 
if you have a look at teams that perform and do well, it's not because normally every one of them is high-performing in exactly the same way. That isn't the way a team works. That's the way a group of individuals work. What a team works is when you've got different people with different strengths, with different, which might be empathy. Empathy might be a strength. They may not be technical. Whereas when you see it, when you see the, the Star Wars family units interacting with each other, they're all high performing in different ways, which allows them to bond together to make a success. Whereas you look at them in the sequel trilogy. And they're all high-performing individuals who don't seem to share or don't complement each other's weaknesses and strengths. It's interesting because I think the criticism of The Force Awakens at the time, when you think about it, was very much J.J. just rehashed A New Hope. Yes. And I think that was the overarching criticism. Then, obviously, what we know has happened with the, uh, the Last Jedi. I'm not going to get into that, but I think some of the criticism now is is retrospective of the Force Awakens because by the end of the Force Awakens, the thing that didn't stand out for me was we didn't get enough screen time as a collective of seeing no. Ray, Finn, and Poe. It wasn't maybe we didn't realize be, the importance of it. Yeah, exactly. I think we didn't realize the importance of it because we just expected it to happen in the next movie, possibly, possibly. because. We've seen it happen in the past. Even, you know, the, the story grows, the relationships develop. It's a trilogy after all. It's a, it's a three-movie marathon, if you want to call it that. It's like when you run a 5K, you go out, you do your 5K, you're done. But you can't have the same approach to running a 5K as you do a marathon. If this was a one-and-done Star Wars film, if you take Solo as a, as a or even Rogue One as a, as a very dramatic uh, difference, at the end of the film of Rogue One, one of the criticisms of Rogue One was that I didn't have enough time to care for the characters that all died on Scarif. You know, I, I was complete opposite of that. Well, they're going to die from they, the start. They all well, went through the yeah. bonding process. They Are initially you... went. It was an expedited process, yeah. But there was a lot of people out there who said, I, don't, I didn't get to care for these characters, so I don't like the film. And that was one of the biggest criticisms, if I remember, of Rogue One. Um, yeah, when we and did that... I agree that, with that, Alex, because the Cassian Endor series is probably the least interesting announced Disney Plus series. Exactly. Look at the reaction compared to that to Obi-Wan. Yeah. Or even The Mandalorian. No, Rogue One did better than the, the Rise of Skywalker. At the cinema, so so for all of the, the criticism that movie may have had, it performed much better at the box office. And, Twenty million by agree, yeah. But then again, yeah. I mean, we both agree on this, Dave. That Rogue One is one of the better films. I know Ali doesn't, but it Rogue is, One is, is still one of the best Star Wars films that's ever yeah. been made. But now, now you mention it, it, it is awesome. Now, yeah. now that you mention it for me, you look at Rogue One and you look at how those characters bonded. The weaknesses of, of Bodhi Rook, for instance, uh, 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 he still has a role to play within the story and he still has strengths that he can bring that the others don't. Mm. And, and you also have the same in Solo. When you have a look at, at when you've got Chewie, when you've got um, Han, uh, oh, what's he called? The, the, uh, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and, and even then, when you pull in um, Lando Calrissian and oh, the, the Kira. Kira, yes. You pull them all together 
and they bond as a family unit, even when they're double-crossing each other. It's funny, because even then, like, the, in Solo, I didn't, like, the, the girl that gets killed, who is Woody Harrelson's other half, yes. didn't, uh, you know, I was a bit like, all right, when that, the four-armed alien got shot during that raid, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. That, for me, Solo, the more I see Solo, it's funny, because my, my view of Solo has completely changed how it was. I, I enjoy it, but I watch it, and I'm like, meh. Yeah, I know Dave is one of your favourite films. It is. It is. So I, I, I don't... The only characters that I relate to are Han, Chewie, and, and what's his face? Um, Lando Calrissian. But yeah. that's because of the establishment yeah, the in the overarching <laughs> movie. Yeah. Like, I, I don't really care about Kira. I got more interested in when Darth Maul appeared at the end of the movie. But that's because I'm again, a massive Darth Maul fan. But... but again, that's the familiar. Yeah. But even then, I cared more about I him dying at the end of Phantom I think we're, we're being, it's an unfair comparison to compare standalone movies, though, and character development in a standalone movie compared to a movie that's part of three. Because you've got I three sides at the time. I, yeah. I, think I think that's where I was trying to go. Yeah, yeah. It's very different from if, if, if you can build up a character and a, and a unit that coherently works together, as you did in Rogue One, if you can do that in a single movie, yeah. but fail to do it across a trilogy... Yeah, but I think the argument is that they failed. I don't think they succeeded in doing it in Silo or Rogue One. I, you know, for, for a lot of fans, there was the, meh, I, I didn't really get to care for them because they just died too quickly. Um, you know, so it's, it's again, it goes back to this interpretation of the same content in the same universe, the same fan base, but the massive difference in interpretation of what makes a good film. It's really, really interesting. True. True. I've got, a quick, really... I've got a quick question. I've got a, just just quickly. While, while you guys were talking about Clone Wars, I've just jotted a few numbers down. So if I say, so Harry Potter, 270. Hunger Games, 260. See where I'm going with this? Kill Bill, 250. Any guesses? Million no? in the box office. In the no, US. No. Twilight, 240. Oh, Avengers. minutes long? Yeah, yeah. Avengers, yeah. 345. The Rise of Skywalker, 142. It's the total number of minutes of the last element of that, that particular saga. Now, I, I think, you touched on it earlier, Alex, I think looking back now, especially with the failings of The Last Jedi, it should have been two movies. Well, it should have been Discuss. Discuss. Well, it, it would. Well, I don't think it could I be think... much longer because the cinemas don't yeah, know yeah. If, it's, if it's pushing three hours. Three hours is so... all far. Should it be a Harry Potter 7.1, 7.2 type thing, do you think? Yeah. I think we've discussed this a few times, and the answer is yes. It, it it's definitely. But, but the answer is also no, because Star Wars is known for its trilogies. Mm. So then in that case, you do have to have a three and a bit long hour, or dare I say it dances yes. with wolves, four hour movie. I don't know, but... Um, but but I, again, I, that, if if they'd gone down the route of four, then they would have been openly admitting that the Last Jedi had gone completely wrong. Well, I think they kind of did that anyway with the plot. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, they did that with <laughs> the uh, they did that with the middle fingers that JJ Abrams, <laughs> yeah. Johnson, well, like, they, they did. through the film, but, but not quite so blatantly. <laughs> but what we don't know, Dave, is, is actually is what was the original JJ cut. This is the thing people say the original cut, 
and this is all speculation, I guess, but people say the original cut that J.J. Abrams yeah. did was very different, a lot longer, and we know that there were a lot of reshoots in the last couple of months. We know that happened. Yes. So the original version, because there's things like it didn't have the Raylo kiss in the original ones. Yeah. And they went back and put that in. We know Some that, of that was Disney that was, said, yeah. But that was, that was Raylo. That was a nod back to The Last Jedi. Because, yeah. well, going Jedi back to what we were saying, that, that there was that romance built up in The Last Jedi. Yeah. But we know that the J.J. Abrams original cut didn't have that sort of stuff in it. And mm. that he was told to reshoot quite a bit of that ending and stuff like that. So we, So maybe it was originally supposed to be that length, but we'll never know. Unless we get it's it on an the interesting Blu-ray. comparison, it's an interesting. It's, it's an interesting comparison when you it's think Snyder cut, isn't both, it? Well, both yeah. come from Disney, and you think Avengers. I've got a number here, so it's three hundred and forty-five minutes. Is the Infinity War slash Endgame um, combination? It's, it's a it's a whole two hundred minutes more than the Rise of Skywalker to complete what is my in my eyes an equally, if not even bigger chapter in you know in in the cinematic okay. universe yeah. or the cinematic the cinema in general star wars should be with the history of it is bigger than marvel uh, overall yeah Yeah. so but you know two 200 minutes of storytelling to finish off that saga the avengers it's well think of what you could have done with that that's three three hours and 20 of of film effectively well i I think it is i mean i know we're in the same bush here but like with marvel they had a plan they had a story group star wars had a story group, didn't have a plan, but had someone at the top who didn't deliver a coherent storyline. Yeah, it's weird because I know that Kevin Feige's obviously got that role, as it were, at Marvel. Yeah. And he's a lot more interwoven, or it seems to be anyway. Yeah. Whereas he while he gives the art the director's responsibility and creative freedom, there's that interesting element where he is basically saying oh no you can't do this you can't do that whereas kathleen kennedy to to her credit to a certain extent but clearly not in that she said to the directors do your own thing well no correction she's only done it for ryan johnson because with as we all know with rogue one there were changes to the script with solo there were massive changes um and for rise of skywalker there were massive changes yet Oddly, for the one film that has, yeah, the one film that's caused the most disruption, whatever you want to call it, in the fandom, is the one where she's gone, you know what, mate, it's all yours, go for it. But here's a question then. By the time we get to The Rise of Skywalker, do you think Disney have lost faith in Kathleen Kennedy at this point, having delivered The Last Jedi and Solo, which financially failed? And do you think they, they, their hands-off approach by the time you get to the last film? Because if you look at the marketing, and I do think part of the financial performance, and I know you you think it's great, and I and I don't, but I think part of the problem is is the marketing because it was so. This is the final episode. This will provide that satisfactory ending for people, and it didn't for a lot of people. So it depends on what is key to success, right? Because. If you if you're an investor, shareholder, CEO of a company, yeah. you basically want to know: Have I got somebody in charge of something that's going to make me the most amount yeah. of money? Right. So, for example, if you, be, you trust Marvel, well, right? You trust no, Kevin Feige because he's delivered success over a long time. Arguably, you can say the same with Kathleen Kennedy because they have made 
two billion on Force Awakens. They made one and one point three on the Last Jedi. They made a billion on the, the Rise of Skywalker. They made hold on. No, I know, yeah. but no, that's what I mean. It depends on what you're looking at for success. Because if you think of Rogue One, made over a million, so a billion. Sorry, Ro, uh, Solo made. 750 800 million whatever it was so over a period of five movies kathleen kennedy has brought in six and a half seven billion dollars now there's something important there alex it's a downward trend where the marvel one is an upward trend yep yeah but some of the marvel movies have made a hell of a lot less than what star wars have made and there's but there's also been more of them you've had 10 you've had 10 years of marvel bringing out three movies a pop and they have made a huge amount of money, absolutely. But if Star Wars brought out three films a year, I know we, we're going over our ground to a certain extent, but, but ultimately, if you're a CEO and you want to bring in somebody who makes a load of money, she's done it. I, 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 I don't think if, you're answering you the question I had for Alex, which was... Well, which, no, you said a sheer success, and I just said no, no, it depends on your point I of view. Said, I said, do you think that Disney lost trust in her, is what I asked. And so, because I think yeah, but, they probably did, because... The reputational damage, the financial not going the way it should. I think by the time you get to Rise of Skywalker, I'm not sure she's as editorially in control as she was for the other films. From a fan perspective, yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, the the, the way things have gone in the past three years in particular haven't been great, let's be honest. But if you want trust in somebody who will make money then she's done well so again it just depends on your point of view of what the trust is and what she's entrusting of i literally think anyone could direct a star wars film like the force awakens and make a ton of money or produce it because she's not living off she's not living off her being great she's living off the past films being great for the force awakens no, I'll take, I'll take your point 100%, but she has been a producer of God knows how many successful movies in oh, definitely. 20, 30 years. But, so look at, she, but look at Indiana Jones now. Well, yeah, the whole director thing, yeah. Still with Spielberg. Just, it's happened down, again with her. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, but, so yeah. To, to go back to the, the, the comparison with Marvel, though, we, okay, not every Marvel movie has been... A massive Ant Man, for instance, has not been as massive a success as Black Panther, for instance. Mm. And I get that. And when you're doing three or four movies that might also tie into some of the Sony movies with the, the likes of Spider Man, and, and when you're tying in that many movies and you're doing that many movies over a 10 year span to still have. Your, your billion pound releases such as the, the Captain Marvels, the uh, Black Panthers, the, the Avengers Endgame, you're still getting that after 10 years of three movies a year. You're looking at upwards, what, what, how many movies are there now? Is it 25, 30 different Marvel movies? But they're still getting those numbers. They may not get it for every movie, but they're still getting those numbers. The fatigue isn't there yet. Whereas we're arguing that Catherine uh, Kennedy has made a success out of producing five movies over five years. Not, <laughs> not 15 movies over five years that are making that type of money. That's the difference. So, as you were saying that, I did a quick Googling, right? So, Marvel and the MCU have created 23 movies. Right. In those 23 movies... They have grossed twenty-two and a half billion US dollars. 
So that's about nine. That's nine hundred eighty million per movie. Star Wars has released five films and done about seven billion, which all in all is about one point something. So, if you're purely looking at it from a financial perspective, Star Wars is doing better. Yeah, I got a minute. I got a minute. We're being creative. Per film. We're being oh, creative with stats here. Yeah. No, we're being creative. I've, I've, I did a bit of googling as well. If you want to be, you want to compare <laughs> this. So let's say the both, both the Infinity Saga and the Skywalker Saga have both ended within the last twelve months. The Infinity Saga conclusion, so the combination of Infinity War and Endgame, which I realise is slightly unfair because it's two films, but that was four point seven billion dollars combined mm-hmm. at the at the cinema, and the Rise of Skywalker makes one billion. So if you're the head of Disney and you're looking at someone that wants to finish off an epic saga, you ain't going to go with Kathleen Kennedy, are you? No. Because she's grossed 20% of what Marvel did over the over the end of the franchise. The big film. The big one that everyone's supposed to go to. Which then goes against the argument you made earlier on about the movie being 250 minutes longer. But Well, yeah, that was, yeah. There's, would argue there's it, statistics it would and then damn lies or whatever that... And, uh, we, we're being creative with phrases, stats. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just saying that it it just it does ultimately depend on what you would determine a success. Is it financial? She's doing a good job because of the way but, the fans have reacted and the division that's, that's happened. Is she success? Oh no! But but okay, I would still take that. I'm I'm again going back to 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 what I just said. Really, Marvel have managed that consistently over ten years. Yep. Whether whether twenty three movies mean that they're producing two point three movies a year on average over ten years, and they're still blowing away box office. She's from a standing start. Yes, from a standing. Yes, from nothing. From nothing. take away the eight years of comic book history, but let's ignore that. Well, yeah, yeah, but then Star Wars. <laughs> well, they do. But, but then Star but you, Wars. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars has got thirty years of movie history and twenty years of novels and comics. As if you want to use that as an example, he's got an established fan base, which is probably more passionate than the Mar- than the Marvel one was as a standing point, and yet they've only managed to produce five movies in five years. The, but again, this kind of goes against some of the arguments that we as a collective have had, saying Star Wars is a tentpole movie, right? And I think we've all pretty much agreed I, on that I, to a certain extent. I, I don't. I don't. I, I want to see three movies a year. I've always said that. Three Star Wars movies a year would would make me feel good. I think we've always it's about the quality, isn't it? Not necessarily the quality. Yes, exactly. And I think we've, we that is that is something fundamental. Whereas, but that brings in so, a tweet. I mean, I'm a massive. Sorry, go on, I go on. No, well, you 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 earlier replied to a tweet which I think was absolutely brilliant about the editor of the of the Star Wars books saying how yeah. difficult it is yeah. to get anyone to write a Star Wars. Book. I think it's probably the same as the director. Who wants to direct these things? If you do it, if you do it, and you take a slightly controversial view of it, it could ruin your career. Yeah. Well, Johnson ain't done too bad, but yeah, so well, no, I you point knives out. Yeah, I've yeah. not seen Knives Out, but by all things, it's supposed to be a really good film. Yeah, yeah. I've I've not seen it, but like, but like, if you think about it. The reputational damage that it could do to you, you know. Mm, massive, someone, yeah, yeah. Someone like Colin Trero, who did Jurassic Park really well, the first one. You know, people then say, well, why can't you manage a Star Wars film? Well, what's so different? They're both huge franchises. But Star Wars is a bit more special. And for some reason, they can't find writers and they can't find directors. 
Yeah, are a lot more acidic. I'd say acidic, to be fair. (laughs) But it's just, it's unbelievable that someone who is the editor of the books came out and said, we Mm -hmm. cannot find the people to do it. That's just unbelievable. I mean, if they said to you tomorrow, Dave, write a Star Wars book, you'd probably bite their hands off. Oh, hell yes. But but and, and, and all fans probably do believe they could write a good Star Wars book, by the way. <laughs> I don't believe I probably I all believe that. We could write really <laughs> I don't believe I could no, 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 no. I definitely I, I, believe I, I could do a better trilogy. Um, I'd have no hope. Uh, unless you want me to unless you want me to write in code. <laughs> but, but professionals, um, they're shying away from this. And, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's fear. It's fear of of how acidic. Yeah. Yeah, ironically, you've got directors lining up, as it were, to work with John Favreau and Dave Filoni on Mandalorian season two. What well, and Marvel? Yes. So it's 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 a weird time all round to a certain extent. And yet, like it it is as we've said before, the most content coming out. Mm. We've mm. got to put we've got to put at some point, like it or hate it, the <laughs> the sequel trilogy behind us. Look forward to what the future's gonna hold because we now know the next film's not for till it's not till the end of 2022, is it? It's it's well, uh, rumored, rumored anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I mean that was well, still in the time. The thing you Miller wants, wasn't it? So, so that's that's our next film. But we know there's lots of Disney Plus content coming out. We know the Clone Wars is ending soon. So there's lots of good stuff happening at the same time. But I think it's just. This, as, you, as we've all said, the thing is, is we will all watch The Rise of Skywalker on DVD or, or however you choose to consume it when it comes out, mm. because we all love Star Wars, right? The yeah. problem is, is, is that at various times people have had to question, what does it mean to be a Star Wars fan? And why can't I love this the way that I have the other ones? That's something I struggle with. And I said that to Dave in the last podcast. I still can't mm. go work it out. Why can't I love these films like I did the other ones? But I just don't. I wish I could. Do you know, I really wish I could turn around and be like, oh, it's so good. Love it. But I can't. It's, it's disingenuous. And, and the interesting thing with The Mandalorian is, is you've almost got this new approach to Star Wars because we've never had live action TV Star Wars before, mm-hmm. which is every episode we're either going to a new planet or a new adventure. It's, a, it's, it's more Star Trek-y. It's more serial. It's the first time that's ever happened. And it's kind of interesting because it takes you in a different direction because... Um, we haven't spoken to the council, but I have, I have this theory that almost the star Wars world has got so big, but it's still trying to concentrate on a few core characters. And I'm not sure that works. Well, this it's funny. You say that, that it's the first time it's been told serially when it hasn't, we've had rebels and we've had clone wars. Now I know it's been animated, yeah, but you're exploring the story in a serial manner, but for a different, medium yeah and there hasn't been as much hoopla big whoop-de-doo about clone wars or rebels or resistance if you want to go down that path as there has been about the mandalorian now is it just because it's live action i think it probably is because it's a big deal because if you speak to most star wars fans what would you rather see more of anakin and obi-wan on tv or a random mandalorian that you've never met before now we put the the poll out didn't we on twitter um and it was, while it was close, I think the Clone Wars won by about 10%, give or take. Um, so it's an interesting approach to something that they've done before and 
if Man- Mandalorian season two comes out, and obviously you mentioned the Cassian Andor show, if that's another success, will that get more hype than the next animated show, whatever that may be? Well, yeah. One one thing that I have noticed with the Mandalorian, that it, it's only that you've actually mentioned that makes me think it. Most of the TV shows that you watch these days through streaming services i'll say streaming because i suppose sky you can include sky in this but most tv series that you watch is one long story it may be that each of the episodes focuses on something that happens but you've got a story that starts in the first episode and ends in the final episode and that final episode may be over multiple seasons Whereas all of the Star Wars ones, I know you get the little arcs of two or three episodes, but generally, one episode, one situation, one thing happens. Next episode, another thing, another place, one thing happens. And that seems to be the way that mm-hmm. Star Wars TV shows work. Yeah. But then, but that's a, that's a formula Star Trek have been doing since the 60s. But I was going to say, but that is a yeah. ca- Back. That's a carry back to the way that TV used to be. Absolutely. Because the A Team was the same, Night yeah. Rider was the same, Airwolf was the same. These are all the TV shows that I remember growing up with as a kid. And that's the way that Star Wars TV shows work. Yeah. So the question is then, and I'm conscious we have been going for a while. Um, <laughs> so. Is the question then that the, the mechanism to make Star Wars on the big screen, does that need to change? Say that again, sorry. The mechanism of, of big movies of on the big screen for Star Wars, if we're seeing the small screen being such a success, mm. do we think the approach to the big screen needs to change? I'm going to jump in and say, I hope not here, because purely from my point of view, Star Wars is just the big screen. So when you were saying about the, the 2022 mm. lack of yeah, movie... Yeah. I, I'm I'm bereft because I don't really want to pick up a novel, and I don't really I'm not fussed for really watching this Clone Wars or the Mandalorian. It doesn't excite me like a fi- a, a big film movie does. So uh, for me personally, I want it to be on the big screen. I'd have I would happily have two movies a year if they could produce them. I would I'd I'd, I'd be again only if mm. they could absolutely guarantee the quality of the story. But yeah, I I, I hope not. But the other guys might differ. No, no, I, I get what you mean, Andy, and I, and I agree, but I think the gap between really brilliant television and average film to good film is very small these days. There's still a big difference between like a real high-quality film and a real high-quality TV show. It but is. If you're, I, if, you're, if you're not producing a 10 out of 10 film and you're producing a 5 or 6 or 7 out of 10 film, there's not that much different to a TV show anymore. I get what I get that. However, if you don't watch TV really like I do I don't I really do not watch a lot of TV in terms of series or whatever I, I don't it's, it's something that doesn't interest me it's a, the, the actual concept of a, a big film yeah. interests me a lot more than following a series I get bored I get bored with interlocking stories having to remember what happened last time sure. but I lose interest very quickly sure I suppose as well though for the, from the content provider perspective and let's just use Disney as the example here is, is where you are now owning the means of production and distribution of, of television which is different to how it has been previously if you can get someone to pay five or six quid a month for Disney plus you would need to watch what four or five films a year from Disney to get the same amount of money 
which people might not be yeah. doing. So it makes more sense for them to be producing better TV content and have you hooked just to make more money. It's yeah, the Netflix yeah. model, isn't it? Yeah. This it, is what I, yeah, I, I don't mean, align with yeah, that. I, I, I don't like to it. Go, to go back mm. to what you just said, um, Andy, the, the fact that you enjoy one-off TV episodes where you don't have to gen up and understand who's what and have to remember a longer story arc maybe star wars works for you then because it is you you dip in you see the episode you walk away yeah Yeah, this is what yeah so when you when you're discussing so actually yeah back on I, i didn't interject because it was quite a good debate but when you were talking about the whole character development that's less of an issue for me right because i'm like yeah Sorry, Andy. Yeah, sorry. It's it's just it's the way I digest the content is very different to you guys. Uh, but it is it is, it is like in general, like I say, with most series, I don't I don't stream series. I don't watch. I got I got three episodes into Picard, and I'm I'm a bit bored now, and I'm not sure. Oh, oh no it, it, it's, it's great. <laughs> it is good. It, yeah, it is good. But it, it, that's that's the way I digest content. I would rather just watch a big standalone movie and then and then I, shut I the door on it. Touching on that, Picard. Picard has gone the opposite way. Yeah. Because it is one long story that's split over however many episodes there'll be, as opposed to separate standalone mini stories within a larger storyline. Well, it's it's fine. I I haven't seen any of Picard, and it's not my top of my list to watch it. But if you if you think of the way Marvel and DC approach their TV shows, they're incredibly different. Where when you had the the Defenders, so you had Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones. Yes. They had their own series. They, they had their own series, came together. It referenced the movies, but it didn't reference them or to a certain extent. Or they're not in any of the movies. You know, that didn't happen. And then if you take DC, DC have gone, you know what? We tried the whole interlinking universe and we're kind of, we're not going to bother anymore. So now you've got TV shows like Black Lightning, Arrow, um, The Flash, Supergirl. And then in our, on the other side of the world, you've got Titans, Doom Patrol that have got no interaction with with these guys. So they've kind of gone the complete opposite to Marvel. And then you've got Star Wars in the middle to a certain extent where it's still the same linear timeline. And so it's maybe, and no, well, yeah, that's what I mean. I've not seen this. So I can't really reference it, but you've got Star Wars stuck in the middle of what Marvel and Fox, uh, Marvel and DC are doing. Right. And do they, do they, con- should they continue along that path or, you know, but should I, we go down the route of, of them creating a, a show about Han Solo, but from 60 years ago, or maybe oh, that's a bad example, Yoda, 60 years ago, that's got nothing to do with any of the movies, things like that. But the, the difference is the Star Wars one have taken a very different stance to either yeah. of the other two, in that mm. all the books and all the comics are now all considered canon. Yeah. So that exactly. it is one continuous no matter which medium you pick up the story even the computer games now it's all linked like, yeah yeah uh, fallen order ties mm. into the wide and it's considered canon whereas you pick up a comic book and I've, I've got friends who are massively into comics but not necessarily into the marvel movies i've got one friend who particularly hates the marvel movies um I should bring him onto one of these podcasts one of these days because he really does hate them. Um, but he loves the comic books and he thinks that the the, the movies are just absolute trash compared to the comic books. But for me, I look at the because I I do read the comics. I'm I'm not uh, as big a fan of the comics as I am of the movies. But I see them as it's it's the MCU. 
it's the cinematic universe. It's mm-hmm. a different timeline. It's a different universe. It's, the it's a multiverse. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it is. It's a multiverse. It's a, di- it's a parallel Earth. It is not the same Earth. Whereas Star Wars, it is all one. Yeah, and which leads to the question, is that a good thing or not? But I suppose it it's depends to Ant- Ant- That's the thing. Well, like, like if you look at, let's good. go back to Picard. And, and if you think about what is the thing that binds star trek through it's the enterprise right because they're all captain of the enterprise and you follow the enterprise's journeys there is no sign of the enterprise in the new picard films at all it may be out there or it may not who knows what's happening to it but but what we have seen is we've seen throughout this series things like this is a very specific example but in one of the films picard changes character where he goes from this very considered leader into this sort of war hungry irrational person because of a personal thing and 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 it addresses it in the tv series to make you understand why that happened and so where star wars has has failed in continuing some people's character storylines we can agree or disagree on that picard has looked at it from an intelligent way and said okay this is where it didn't quite work we're going to look at this from a different angle to try and bring the audience with you and unveil another layer to the story because that's what Picard keeps doing. It keeps unveiling different layers. That, which... that said, that's 15 years later, to be yeah. fair, because it's first contact is what you're talking about. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a massive jump to then go back to a TV show and try and address that 15 years later. You could argue that Rogue One yeah. was an attempt at addressing some of the failure or some, some of the plot holes that was in A New Hope. Right. Question. Question. So, uh, again, because I've not not seen it they've, sure. they've, they've addressed something in the show that happened in the tv show from 15 years ago no no that happened in a movie in a movie not a TV TV show, yeah. show. okay so something happened in a star trek film was then explained in the tv show 15 years later it's a bit like when when luke changed character that's what happened to picard and they explain it in the tv show in the one well sort of yes yeah oh so well, they brought closure to that yeah, that's right. That's a better way of saying it. They brought closure to it rather than explaining it. Oh, they explained, yes. but they, they expanded upon it and got closure on it. Yes, in the TV show. Is that different yeah. to it being explained differently in a book? It is because point, yeah. you're almost retconning what you've seen on screen. Even though no, but that's so. Like what what we're seeing about the clone of Palpatine bringing it back to Star Wars is that. In the book, it explains it is a clone. Now, it wasn't explained in the movie, <clears throat> but it's explained in a book about the movie. Is, I get is it point. not a similar I concept? Your point. I get your point. I'm, not, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. No, no, it, it is. It it's, is that's a very good point. It's different. I'm being, I'm being Because the weight uh, to a book is not as heavy as to a TV series or a film. But, but also, I think this the, the, the movie that we're talking about, I, I wouldn't say potentially needed explanation no it didn't it happened happened. and also because of what you'd seen of that character previously in the tv show for me his reaction in the movie was understandable for me i i didn't see that as a massive a massive change of his personality Mm. i saw it it's it 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 was natural because of the circumstances and the situation he'd had. Whereas you then jump forward to this, this TV show 15 years later. And what they've done is almost a case of 
you know what, we want to actually just pick up on that and exactly. just take it a little bit further. They're, they're not they're not retconning something. They're not addressing an, a, a, a problem with it. What they're doing is saying, you know what, there, there was a massive shift in that. And what, we've, what we're now doing is saying 50 years later, we're closing that story down. We're finishing off the final act of that story. It's it's a very small as well segment. It's like a two minute it bit, is. Alex, of a five episodes, <laughs> which are sixty minutes so far. So it's really for fans. It's it's not for, you know, people who've just picked it up now. So like, so hang on, so it's fan service, which is what we criticised about the Rise of Skywalker a little bit. Well, I'm not criticising that bit. We have we are not criticising. We have mentioned That's it, though, haven't we? How it played fan service. But, but, but fan service isn't what I'm criticised about Rise of Skywalker. If anything, that's the, as, as a fan who spends way too much money on Star Wars, I'm saying this quietly because my wife is upstairs, who spends way too much money. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you whisper it, Dave, we can increase the volume in post-production. It's absolutely fine, mate. Go for it. Good. <laughs> too much money on Star Wars things. For me, fan service is fantastic. That's what I want. I am the fan. I am the one spending money. Serve Not me. new stuff. <laughs> now, on 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 that bombshell, which isn't a bombshell, we all know that anyway about you, Dave. So it's absolutely fine. Um, Mrs. Clark, we are approaching. We are approaching the two-hour mark, and this is a hefty podcast that we have done, gentlemen. And it has been an absolute pleasure discussing it with you. It has been an excellent Marvel and Star Trek podcast. I was going to say, we got anywhere near the agenda, did we? Well, we, we, well, we, we spoke about The Rise of Skywalker, we mentioned Mandalorian, and we mentioned Clone Wars. So we hit three of the five, technically. And, and we, we touched on novelization as well. Oh, there you go, four out of five. So we, we kind of what got we it. missed? Um, hold on, where's the agenda? I was thinking that. Well, I think we've got everything in there. High Republic, we got... We got the yes. oh, there you go. No, 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 no. We got all of them. We got all of it in there. So, with that being Clip. said, wait for about five minutes. <laughs> with that being said, gentlemen, I am going to ask you all for your final thoughts, as always. Dave, final thoughts from you. I love Star Wars. I think that's it for me. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Andy, final thoughts from you, mate. I, I'm, I mean, first of all, but my first one I thought initially is, is that's the shortest sentence I think Dave's actually said on the, on these podcasts. It's normally about a five minute rant, and it's just I love Star Wars. That was a very concise final thought there. Mine, yeah, mine is. Uh, I, I still I still feel that we're at a little bit of a stage of discontent almost in, in the Star Wars fandom. Um, I'm not going to get into that now because that could be another hour, two hours. But it's it's a shame at a point where there's so much material. The fans are still so divided. We still see a lot on social media. We still see a lot of people venting, um, not in a particularly nice way. Mm. Which I don't, I don't think does Star Wars as a, as a thing any good at all. I think that's possibly why authors distance themselves and other people may think, do you know what, I, I, I'm not getting involved in that. And it's a real shame because, you know, we, we all, I mean, we discuss it, we analyse things, but we all, we all get along. We all talk about it in a nice, positive way. And I just wish everyone else could do the same. There you go. You should make that your speech when you go for Miss World. We just need to add at the end of that is a world peace. I think you, you, you might have nailed it there, mate. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's yeah. my thought. Fair point. Fair point. Totally agree. Final thoughts. 
you're on mute. <laughs> I agree with Dave. Wow. <laughs> two of the, the uh, I was going to say two of the shortest uh, final thoughts ever, but that's all good. I would like um, to know, Alex, just because Andy mentioned it, what you think about because Dave and I obviously had a big say on the fandom menace the other day. What do you think about it? The fandom menace is in the idiots. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I, I just think they're being divisive for, for no apparent reason. They're just being idiots. Um, narrow minded, short sighted. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I could go on for, for a while because after what somebody replied to the, to the tweet the other day, and you know, you called it out on the show the other day, Ali, and it was good of you to call it out. But some of the language, the tone, the it shows a lack of intelligence for me. It's a lack of intelligence. It's, yeah. it's, cry for attention on social media it's why yeah. social media has become so toxic it's it's not it, this is going to be my final thought actually now you've said that um you know we the four of us have had a two-hour discussion around different components that bring up everything it is to do with star wars influence of marvel star trek whatever yet there's an underlying respect and appreciation for each of our points of view we may not agree with them we may agree with some, we don't others. That's absolutely fine. But there's nothing vicious underlying in that disagreement because it's valid opinions. We respect each other's opinions. Whereas when you flip that onto social media, you get people who are basically shouting down a keyboard and it's horrible. Um, they're using language, phrases, terminology that I completely have zero time for. Um, personally, growing up in an area that's incredibly diverse, um, the some of the, the kind of racist undertones for me and sexist is, is, yeah and the sexist undertones as well the, the being called a social justice warrior because you actually accept appreciate and uh, kind of have these things in your life that doesn't make you some random white dude who thinks he knows everything about everything and should be able to entitlement it's ridiculous um, does that answer your question Ali? yeah yeah, it does. No, I, I, I genuinely, it's just because Dave and I had such a big say on it the other day. I just I just felt mm-hmm. like, you know, people who are listening to this would enjoy hearing what the rest of the council have got to say on it. Because it is it is such a big issue. Yeah. It, it, and, and to me, it, it's got worse. And I didn't think it could get mm. worse after The Last Jedi, but I think it has. Right. I think it goes back to your point, Andy, your point that Ray is seen as this super strong female character rubs people the wrong way and as per my tweet the other day star wars has always had that we've had leia initially we've then had padme we've had Jin, uh kira arguably in solo there's always been strong female characters in star wars um so why people are getting their knickers in the swiss now i've got no idea but um, yeah it's uh, no idea and with that being said um we are the Jedi Council. Uh, if you want to find us, we are on the website. We are www.the-jedi-council.com. You can reach us out on all the major social media channels. We are on Twitter. We are at the Jedi underscore Council. Facebook, we are TJC, the Jedi Council. On Instagram, we are the Jedi underscore Council underscore TJC. If you want a backlog of all of our podcasts, we are on SoundCloud. We are on the iTunes iOS app. We are on Spotify. We are on player.fm. We are on Podbean. We are on so many other different resources where you can get hold of our shows. But more importantly now, guys, we are on YouTube. And if you don't know we're on YouTube, go to YouTube, search for the Jedi Council. You will see three videos at the moment, two two from Dave of his amazing collection. 
uh, and one of Ali and I when we made a visit to Galaxy's Edge. There's going to be some more content released on YouTube very shortly. So keep an eye out from that. Like, subscribe, hit the bell on YouTube so you get your notifications when we've released a new video. Um, and remember, may the force be with you. Remember, the force will be with you always.